Every day is a screen, though, right? Every day. Every day they move. Every day the warm-up. It's all a screen, really. So we're assessing them at all times. There is no maintaining. I don't. We don't really believe in maintaining. The in-season is uh, honestly my favorite time of year of training because we have such consistent routines with our in-season that our guys are the strongest when it comes to May and June. Honestly, our quarterbacks train, for the most part, very similar to our pitchers. You know, rotation is rotation, right? It doesn't matter what you're doing, whether it's on a golf course, baseball, football. It doesn't matter. Rotation is rotation. So we train rotation with those guys. I say this a lot, actually, is consistency, right? Consistency is the biggest thing. If you get your kids consistent with the training in season, they will not be sore. We'll, we'll never, ever, ever miss a workout. We will never miss, miss any training opportunity. Fellas, fellas, fellas. Welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha. And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we're here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. We'd like to welcome back our veteran listeners. We're happy to grow with you again. We'd also like to welcome our first-time listeners, the rookies. Don't worry, every vet was once a rookie. This podcast is brought to you by our partners over at Yakertech. Yakertech is the gold standard for measuring spin rate, velocity, trajectory, and most important, spin axis of a pitched ball. No other system captures such clarity on a moving ball. Learn more about their system at yakertech.com. On this episode, we sit down with Zach Dakin, Senior Assistant, Strength and Conditioning Coach at TCU. Pull up a seat, grab your notepad, here's Zach Dakin. Welcome back to the Farm System. We're sitting down with Zach Dakin, Senior Assistant, Strength and Conditioning Coach at TCU. Zach, we appreciate you taking some time out of your day to sit down and chat with us here at the Farm System. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on and uh, excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, Zach, obviously, I think you're going to bring a tremendous value to um, all of our listeners, including, I mean, already, obviously, we have a personal relationship and how much value you brought uh, to my life and kind of opened my eyes to a lot of different things. Um, And then on top of that, you know, uh, we'll kind of dive into this later, but also the book that you had uh, recently released as well. um, A lot of impactful information in there. So um, we're happy to have you on. And uh, thanks again. Yeah, thanks, Joey. Absolutely, Zach. And as we get the show uh, rolling here a little bit, do you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself by taking them through your journey to get to this point in your career? Yeah. So I'm the uh, Senior Assistant Director of Strength and Conditioning at TCU. This is my 12th season here with baseball. Prior to that, to be honest, I played college football at uh, Missouri State University. Kind of always knew that I wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach or, you know, work with athletes in some capacity. Um, my journey started out as an intern. It took me back to Missouri State as a graduate assistant. From there, I ended up with the uh, Los Angeles Angels for a couple of years as a strength coach in their uh, system. And that's really where the uh, path for baseball started. Um, you know, I worked with them as a GA and, and as, as an intern and such, but that's where it really became specialized for me, and that's how I ended up at TCU, really, was um, we have a, a unique situation in the strength and conditioning department that we don't have a separate department. So most big Power 5 schools have got a football side and, a, and an Olympic sports side. 
TCU doesn't. And being that I'd been, you know, a collegiate football player and spent time in professional baseball, both, uh, you know, both sides, it was just a good fit for both sides, to be honest, because I do work with football still at TCU. And then I'm uh, the director of strength conditioning on the baseball side. So it was just a really, really good fit. And it ended up being a great opportunity. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, and one thing I wanted you to really dive into is, um, you know, even though your title may sound uh, simplistic in that way, it's very unique kind of the role that you play um, with the team and some of the things that you actually have the opportunity to do, especially when it comes to um, pitchers and kind of looking through the movement. Um, can you kind of break that down and what that current role uh, looks like? Yeah. So as a strength and conditioning coach, it's kind of a dream situation. Coach Slosh never gives me full autonomy of the program. So when it comes to what we do in the weight room, you know, on the baseball field, as far as running goes, um, which a lot of strength coaches don't have any oversight over that. Um, warm-ups, the rehab, the rehab setting, I'm involved in all of those aspects. So it's really, really a, an ideal situation. And then on top of that, with the, uh, with the pitchers, that's one of my other main roles. Um, and, and we use some technology with those guys, which I'm involved a large, uh, a large percentage of, but they give me, a lot of, uh, to be honest, autonomy in working on uh, mechanics and movement efficiency and, and taking the guys that need, uh, you know, arms repatterned and um, more efficient lower halves and things like that. They give me control of uh, a lot of that program. So um, it's been great in that um, we can really develop the, the pitchers that we, uh, we want to develop. That's awesome. And, um, you know, one thing, one thing that you mentioned as well, uh, that we've talked about is you actually guys have a biomechanics lab that you guys started to get set up. Is that correct? Yeah. So the cool thing is just in the last couple of weeks, we finally got that finalized, I guess, everything set up. Our first guy is going to be testing on it tomorrow. He's a developmental pitcher for us. So he'll be testing on that tomorrow uh, afternoon. So honestly, we're really excited to have that up and running. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and let's dive into that a little bit more as far as your role goes. Uh, do you mind taking us through kind of your assessment process of athletes and how that may differ between um, a new athlete you haven't worked with versus a sophomore, junior, or senior returner that's coming back from uh, like the summer or a break? Sure. So with all of our incoming guys, they're going to go through, a, honestly, it's a rigorous screening process. Every guy that comes through the uh, door for the first day goes through kind of a modified FMS with myself and uh, our staff of interns. So there's about 18, 18 points that we look at with that um, screen itself. And it, you know, it, it varies. It, we go into breakouts based on what we see in some of the, uh, some of the tests, we go into a breakout and look at, you know, different things that we need to. And then alongside with that, they will go through another screening uh, process with our uh, physical therapists. So, They'll bring over about 10 to 15 physical therapists, which, you know, includes students and, and residents. And, and then our uh, director of physical therapy will be there. And they'll go through another, you know, 15 to 20 different, um, different exams with them. And then on top of that, our orthopedic surgeon will come over and do his own assessment on, for the most part, every guy that walks through the door. So before they've ever really done anything at TCU they've been screened and assessed by three different people at three different levels um so we we try to find everything we can before you know you get four weeks into it and somebody says oh by the way I had this problem happen in junior college and 
I never told you and now it's another problem. It's, it's, you know, coming back or something like that. We want to catch those red flags before, before they become a problem. Um, with our returners, they go through the same movement screening with myself. They also do some of the uh, screening with the, the, the PT, um, our, our PT department. And it's just, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more, uh, honestly, it's faster. It's less because we know the athlete. We see them on a year, uh, year round basis. So we pretty much know what's going on. They'll all, uh, screen with me though when they come back from the summer, um, when they come back from Christmas break, things like that. So, uh, every day is a screen though, right? Every day, every day they move, every day they warm up. It's all a screen, really. So we're assessing them at all times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't mean to instantly put you on the hot seat, Zach, but, uh, I'm going to put you right on the hot seat. Um, one thing you mentioned with, uh, with, with the FMS, obviously that's, uh, kind of a modified version. Um, can you kind of open up? I know you and I had kind of talked about that of just a, uh, basic FMS screening. What do you feel like uh, are the pros of those, and what do you think is the pro, uh, the cons of of that screening? Yeah, well, really, what it is, the FMS for us, it's a great system in that it's very, it's very objective, right? Um, I can teach our interns quickly. We can run, you know, twenty or forty athletes through for the most part pretty efficiently when I have uh, when I have some help. The problem becomes that if it's just me. You know, when you have 40 or 50 kids coming in for the first time, uh, I shouldn't say for the first time, but in the fall, we have to screen everybody, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got 40 or 50 kids that you got to get through the door and screen. It becomes a logistical nightmare if it's just one one person doing up to 18 different, you know, tests and, and movements on these guys. So I have to have something that's very efficient. The FMS does that for me. We can quickly see where, where there's movement breakdowns. Um, those are really the, the pros. The cons, does it really detail, you know, what's going on in a, the speed and the movement of sport? No, it doesn't. And a lot of people get carried away in the fact that they say, well, it does, it, they think it predicts injury. The FMS does not predict injury. That's not what we're doing. It just gives us a baseline of movement. That's all it does is it shows us a baseline of, of human movement. And based on that, we can kind of go into some of our breakouts and figure out where and what segment and you know what's really affecting that you know take the overhead squat for example the overhead squat do kids squat on a field overhead no they don't do any of that type of movement on the field but based on that test we can quickly see whether there's problems in the uh, ankle complex whether it's got thoracic spine problems whether they've got you know a glenohumeral joint problem they can't get the shoulder flexed overhead we can quickly see that that what the breakdown is once we look at that overhead squat, take them into a breakout assessment, and boom, we've got a quick idea of what we might need to work on. Yeah, man, that's definitely good stuff. And I want you to open up this for us as we transition through the show here. When we talk in-season training, how do you guys approach that as far as just maintaining versus kind of lifting to continue to gain strength? Well, for us, there is no maintaining. I don't. We don't really believe in maintaining the in-season the in season is uh, honestly my favorite time of year of training because we have such consistent routines with our in season that our guys are the strongest when it comes to truth be told May and June. So our guys can blow PRs out of the water in May and June because of the consistency that we display. And that again goes back to coach, coach Lossnagel and the fact that he puts an emphasis on, on development and continuing to um, stay in the weight room. You know, I travel with the team on the road. We go out and lift when we're on the road. We don't miss a lift in season. And I think so many, there's so many opportunities for high school kids to develop, not only 
not only physically because that's what the weight room is, right? But they're skill-based because they're bigger, faster, stronger, and more powerful. As they're developing at that young age, when you possess greater physical abilities, it assists your skill development as well. So um, what we see is too many kids make three steps forward in the uh, off-season, take three steps forward in the off-season, and then take four steps back in the in-season, you know? They uh, train their tail off for baseball in the off-season and then completely dump it when the in-season comes and revert back to where they were before they started. It was honestly, in, in a way, it's a waste of time because they don't have the uh, – their bodies don't have the, the ability to solidify those gains yet, right? At a young age, young athletes, high school kids, they haven't lifted long enough to maintain the gains if they, if they don't train. So, you know, we see kids – we can see high school kids lose 10 and 20% of their strength in as little as 14 days of not training. A kid goes on vacation with his parents over summer for two weeks and doesn't train, you can knock 10 to 20% off of, uh, off of everything that they do for the most part, right? They haven't solidified those gains. That's why the in-season becomes so, so, so important. Yeah, that's a great point. Managing those times off, how do you guys manage that summer versus uh, tracking and, and making sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing? Well, in the summer, that's, I mean, that can be a tough situation. So for the most part, we don't send a ton of guys out to summer ball anymore or as many as we used to. The mm -hmm. few guys that do go out, what we do as far as the training goes, they're here so much with me. Um, throughout the course of the year, it's, it really comes down to about 40, they're here something like 42 to 46 weeks. Kind of depends on how long we play into the postseason, obviously. But when we go deep into the postseason and, and end up finishing in Omaha, they're only away from me for four weeks, right? So that four-week window is not make or break for us. It's really, it really is. And the biggest thing that we want to do in that four-week window or possibly a six-week window, you know, if we get bumped out in a regional or something like that, we're going to take a couple weeks off where they can um, kind of regenerate and get away from the weight room a little bit. Yeah, they're still playing summer ball. They'll be all right for two weeks, right? Mm -hmm. And then we introduce a program for them that, honestly, they have a lot of uh, ownership over. So I give them a ton of options because what happens in summer ball, you're, you're not getting the chance to go to a standard gym a lot of times, right? You know, a kid might be in the Alaska League. They might not even have gyms up there. You might be on a 14-hour bus ride. And you're not going to see a gym for 10 days. So I give them a lot of uh, options when, they, uh, when the workout actually comes out. Um, they might have five to seven options of a lower body movement. They might have, you know, same thing on an upper body movement. Pick one, do three sets of five to 10. Uh, pick this, do three sets of 15 reps, you know. Um, so it, it's a way to get them away from what they're going to be doing all year with me. Kind of refresh the body a little bit. Let them pick and choose what they want to do. And, you know, like I said, they don't always have the best options when it comes to, to training in a gym, to training in a facility. So we just want them to, we want to make sure they're doing something is really all it comes down to. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the ownership side of that. And when, um, you know, kind of want to shift gears here, because this is something else that uh, we've touched on in the past. Um, you know, how do you think when you look at technology and how it's changing the game right now, um, how, you know, how do you see it affecting the game? And then also too, what are the you know, again, what are the pros and cons that you're seeing kind of with this change in baseball? Uh, I mean, honestly, the I think it's awesome what's happening right now. There's so many different routes that it could go, right? And you you hope that the technology lands in the right hands because when it's when it's not in the right hands, it can go awry quickly. But I think what's happening 
being able to objectify everything is, is super, super, super cool. You know, my experience with strength and conditioning, it comes up, I've studied the Russian and the, the, the Soviet Eastern Bloc uh, methodologies for honestly 15 plus years now. And one of the coolest things they did, right, was they objectified everything and tested everything. And that's really what's going on in baseball right now that I think is awesome in that that's what we're doing, right? You know, the Soviets had, they had a system they set up, right, of, of their class of athletes. So it went from class three, class two, class one, candidate for master sport, master sport. So you knew exactly what level the athlete was at. And that's what made their studies so incredible. You can go back and read the research. The research they have back then on strength and conditioning and movement sciences is just phenomenal stuff because they were able to objectify and quantify everything. And that's what baseball is doing. And I think it's, I think it's amazing stuff. Like I said, we've got a motion capture lab set up. You know, we utilize Rapsodo, Modus, um, Hit Tracks, Blast. We have every piece of technology that we could want. On the weight room side, we have, I utilize force plates with our guys looking at single leg stiffness looking at, you know, vertical jumps versus a counter movement jump, a squat jump versus counter movement jump to look for, uh, to look for stiffness. It's, there's, there's so much out there and that's really what we have to grasp on, especially um, we don't know what we're doing even still. We have all this technology and we're trying to figure out what we can utilize and, and how it applies. So it's, it's a, it's a new era, but it's definitely exciting. Absolutely. That's definitely part of the game. And I think that next step will be um, you know, utilizing that and then interpreting the data uh, to get the results we want. Um, I want to revert back to something that you mentioned earlier with your experience in football. And I know you've done some work with um, the quarterbacks there at TCU. Can you kind of open up some of the crossover movements that you see and the uh, movements that you specifically train when it comes to quarterbacks and pitchers? Certainly, yeah. I mean, honestly, our quarterbacks train for the most part very similar to our pitchers, you know, rotation is rotation, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you're doing, whether it's on a golf course or uh baseball, football, it, it doesn't matter. Rotation is rotation. So we train rotation with those guys. We take out a lot of the, uh, depending on the time of year, we take out a lot of the vertical plane movements that you might see in a traditional football weight room, like, you know, cleans and things like that and replace them with a lot more work in the transverse plane, more horizontal rotational movements. And then, Alongside that, our quarterbacks actually throw plyo ball. So I have a plyo ball series for our quarterbacks that they go through. It's similar to what uh, some of our pitching stuff is, but there's there's differences as well. And really what the gist of it is, is to make you know our quarterbacks a little bit more athletic, really. Um, we do some drop back stuff with the uh, with our plyo ball series, some some lateral steps in the throws, some you know, back pedal in the, in the throws. Um, we've got kind of an entire movement series for them on that on that side. But it's still very similar to what a pitcher does, right? We train the we train the posterior uh, upper, posterior lower, just the same, right? We want to keep that that scapula um, stabilized. That's got to be a, a huge part of it. But uh, rotation is rotation. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, when you kind of walked into my spider web right there, when uh, you're talking about all this again, all these uh, movement categories, and you're also talking about uh, kind of putting these guys in the buckets. And you know, obviously, you just uh, recently uh, released a book. Uh, movement over maxes, and I wanted you uh, to kind of unwrap that book and 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 what's inside that. What what content could be found inside there? Um, what do you talk about, and you know why is it such a great resource uh, for coaches? Yeah, so movement over maxes is it, it details our foundation program. So it's it's the, the program, the foundation program is what 
every one of our incoming athletes enters into when they come into the program. So like we talked about earlier, they get screened, they move into the foundation program. And what the foundation program is, is it teaches them how to move. You know, we, we take for granted that the kids know how to move correctly outside of the field of baseball in the weight room with a barbell on their shoulders. You know, honestly, how many kids do you see that can't even get into a proper athletic position a lot of times with their back flat and their, their shoulders out over their knees? Um, it, just a proper athletic position. One of the things we see a ton of, right, is kids, baseball kids, they don't know how to jump. And jumping is a super powerful stimulus in the weight room. It can be, it, we can do so much creating power and, and training, honestly, fast twitch muscle fiber, the stretch reflex. We can do so much with jumps. But the, one of the big problems we see is that baseball kids, they don't know how to jump. And so it becomes very difficult to use that as a, as a, as a mean when we're scared that they're going to get hurt. So, you know, I jumped off track there, but what movement over maxes is, is it's teaching athletes fundamental basic movements, right? So we talk about the athletic position. We talk about jumps and landings and how to control your body in space. And then we get into, uh, we get into speed work, obviously, because speed is a huge part of everything that we do. And then we talk about the big five, what we term the big five uh, movement patterns, which is a squat, a hinge, an upper body push, an upper body uh, horizontal pull, and then stability throughout the entire torso. So we're talking about glute activation um, and uh, you know, stability for the uh, torso. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, and that's awesome. And, um, you know, one thing I want to make make sure that everybody that's listening to uh, the podcast can get their hands on your book. If they're looking to purchase that book, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so just movement over maxes is the uh, movement movementovermaxes.com is the website. So you can go there. With that, you get, you know, there's 80 some videos. I think it's 85 videos that you actually receive because we put a video in for every movement that we that we detail in the progressions, um, the progressions, the regressions, every movement is, is uh, captured on video there. I give the templates as well. So the workout templates are included. There's three, three plus uh, blocks of templates that are in there. Um, and then with that, I mean, you get the hardback and you get the ebook as well. So you've got a lot of options. Yeah. Sounds like a terrific resource. And it kind of leads me into this next question. We have a lot of listeners that have to wear, a multitude of hats and coach at schools that aren't fortunate enough to have specific strength and conditioning coaches. Um, what advice do you have for those guys listening in? Yeah, buy the book. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, honestly, that's what the book was written for because I used to get email after email after email from high school coaches that say, hey, will you send me your program? Will you send me your program? I don't know what to do. And while I'd love to send you our, our program, it's, it would be like reading you know, Chinese. And not only that, it's for more advanced athletes. You know, you might be working with 14-year-old kids that have never touched a barbell. When I've got a, uh, you know, a fifth-year senior in here that's going to get drafted that has been, you know, formally training for five-plus years. So, yeah, that, that's really what the book was created for. But my advice to them is to keep it simple. Far too often we try to advance training way too fast. We see something on the Internet, right? You see something on social media. Well, I'm going to start doing that. What these kids need is, is the basics. Quick workouts with just the basics are absolutely fine. Teenagers are going through the biggest growth spurt in their, honestly, in their life, right? They are getting dumped with androgens. So testosterone is just exploding through their body. 
they get faster regardless of whether they train or not, right? At the NSCA conference a couple of years ago, this was an interesting stat I saw in, in one of the presentations was teenage athletes get 3% faster every year, year over year, as they go through puberty, regardless of whether they train or not. So they're getting faster regardless. It doesn't matter. We want to put them on a program so that we can actually harness that power during those, uh, during those puberty years and really develop these kids. But it doesn't need to be anything crazy. You know, one of my pieces of advice for high school coaches, baseball coaches that don't have a lot of background in strength and conditioning is write up a workout and cut it in half. Face it over every day of the week, right? So a three-day, a perfect three-day program. So many people want to, you know, we do a three-day program, but we don't have time for it in season. This is one of the big complaints I hear. We don't have time for it in season. I don't have I don't have 45 or 50 minutes to lift these kids. So my advice to them is to write your perfect three-day program and then slice it in half and put it every day of the week. Now you've essentially taken a 45-minute workout and turned it into 15 or 20 minutes every day of the week. It can act as a warm-up to your to your uh, practices, and if you're consistent with it, you've got a ton of opportunity to to develop your kids, right? So 20 minutes every day, five days a week, it ends up being the three-day workout that you originally wanted to do that you couldn't fit in. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great idea. One thing I wanted you to uh, touch back on, especially as you kind of walk through it right there, I think a lot of coaches obviously have um, you know a misinterpretation, or uh, they've uh, obviously played with you know let's say training. Uh, some of the players in season, they're really worried about players being sore, you know, during game time. I know that's a common thing that I hear. Uh, they're worried about players being sore. What what would you say and kind of advice on that side uh, when it comes to players being sore or fatigued uh, when it comes to uh, games in season? Sure. Well, the first thing that I would say is, and I've already said this, I say this a lot, actually, is consistency, right? Consistency is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. If you get your kids consistent with the training in season, they will not be sore, all right? That's number one. Number two, we don't want to change the stimulus. So when you change the stimulus and create, you know, let's say you've got this week's workouts and the next week's workouts are completely different. We're going to change all the exercises and do something different. That's what creates soreness and stiffness, right? A change in stimulus. So those two things alone, if we are consistent and we, we don't change a bunch of stuff, a, a bunch of stuff, exercises and, and rep schemes and things like that, we eliminate the soreness factor. But on, on top of that, in-season workouts, like I just talked about, if we microdose, that was, you know, the microdosing is really where you cut those workouts in half. You create your ideal workout, cut it in half. Now you're 15 or 20 minutes in the weight room. Microdosing those workouts really act as a, as a stimulus for kids to go out on the field and, and, and perform at a high level. So there's nothing wrong with lifting pregame, day, like I said, day of games. There's nothing wrong with training and going out to practice because it acts as a CNS stimulator, right? Kids will go out and have the best BP you've ever seen in their life because they're thoroughly warmed up. When they're thoroughly warmed up, they've got faster transmission signals down the nerves. Everything works better, right? So it really acts as a stimulus for those things. Yeah. I think you make a good point as far as not changing the stimulus and being consistent. How do you battle some of that consistency if you're on you know, a, a two week or, or a 10 day road trip and, and some of these places you're in don't have the resources um, available for you to get that working. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where it becomes tough, right? You know, whether it's, it's trying to uh, stimulate something like that in body weight circuits on the field, as long as you get the kids moving around and doing something, you know, hopefully you maintain a little bit of that. Um, we take, you know, one thing that we do, we take a lot of bands with us on the road. 
jump stretch bands really is what they are. And we can simulate a lot of like, if you think of cable machines and things like that, we can simulate a lot of movements and still get a good amount of tension with, with jump stretch bands. Um, and there's other stuff like J, J bands, right? I think J bands are a good opportunity to, to still be able to do something, you know, with, with high school kids that don't have access to a weight room. I think J bands can still do a lot for you as far as the, the backside goes, scapular patterning, things like that. Um, but, you know, when you're out on the road trip, the hotel always has something or a lot of hotels. I shouldn't say always. Right. So, <laughs> but a lot of hotels have, have a pair of dumbbells in there. They've got some equipment. And so we use, we utilize that when we have to, sometimes we're, we're not able to get into a weight room on the, on the uh, team's campus that we're playing. So we'll utilize whatever, whatever resources we have to, but making sure that we stay consistent. We'll, we'll never, ever, ever miss a workout. We will never miss miss any training opportunity, right? If, you know, this kid has a workout on this day, we're going to get something in regardless of, of what it is, whether it's a body weight circuit or his actual lift in a weight room. Yeah, no, I love that. And uh, one more thing as an additional piece I would add to that is, uh, real simple for coaches too, as you go to, you know, Walmart or something like that, you can get a physio ball for like seven bucks. You go, you buy a couple, a couple of physio balls, you fill those things up with water. You can use that thing as a weight too. So that's another yeah. you know option. You can use that for, you know, lunges or, you know, again, if you're doing water ball stuff, um, a whole bunch of stuff you can do with that, that we play with, uh, over at 108 as well. Um, there's a ton of things you can do and it's real cheap, um, that, you know, a high school coach or somebody can invest in. And uh, one thing yeah, I want absolutely. Yeah, one thing I wanted you to dive into uh, for Zach too, because I can't let you get off before diving into this. Uh, nutrition obviously is a very um, you know big subject, especially for uh, when you're traveling. Obviously, you know how hard it is uh, for guys to stay on top of that. Um, when you look into the nutrition and some of the ideas, I always like to pick brains on some of the things that you've utilized in the past. Uh, what are some of your ideas, like you know late night games and stuff like that? Well, so we're fortunate now. I mean, we're we're a big enough program and a big enough university that we've got a staff of, of, uh, nutritionists. So I, uh, luckily don't have to handle that anymore because that's not necessarily my forte. Here's my biggest piece of advice that, that I will put out there for any athlete. This isn't just for young athletes, but especially for young athletes, but for any athlete to me, there's three huge windows of importance for, for nutrition. Number one is breakfast. The most important, it, it really is right. You hear it all the time. Yeah lip service it's the most important meal of the day eat breakfast and we're not just talking about cereal we want protein a carb and some type of fruit minimum you know guys that are trying to gain weight we want more on top of that as well i i tell kids that are trying to gain weight you know drink one or two glasses of milk or chocolate milk at every meal right fit that in as well so breakfast is the most important time i think for uh for for calories because what's going to happen nine times out of 10, your lunch is kind of taken care of, right? At school, you're a high school kid, you're getting lunch provided, you're taking your lunch, your parents are making sure you're getting something for lunch, right? So you've got that meal provided. The next biggest one is post-workout nutrition, something after your workout. We want something liquid, preferably, right? Chocolate milk is always a great option, but, but uh, getting something in your system post-workout as fast as you can, huge. And then the last thing, the third, the third, uh, timing that we want is something before bed preferably high protein i love cottage cheese it's a case in protein it's slow it's slow to dissolving it digests very slow so that protein is kind of fueling your body throughout the night but 
regardless, we want you to eat something before you go to bed. Again, preferably not sloppy. We don't want it to be, you know, cheeseburgers and things like that. Something on the uh, cleaner side, but high in protein. Those three, those three timings right there. So breakfast, post-workout, and something before you go to bed, to me, are huge because the rest of your meals are going to take care of themselves for the most part, right? If we can do that, you have a big breakfast, you get lunch at school, mom's provided lunch, you know, whatever the case is, you have a practice or a workout in the afternoon, I'm going to get some, uh, I'm going to get my post-workout there. You're going home at night, right? So mom, dad, providing something again for supper, you're not going to go hungry most times. So now we've already got four meals in right there. Something before bed, we've got five meals in before throughout the day. You grab a snack here and there, and, and guess what? You've got a pretty good, pretty good chunk of calories throughout that time. But what we see is so many high school kids, I mean, even college kids, I can't, I can't limit it to high school kids, all of my kids. They don't eat breakfast. You know, they wake up 20 minutes before they have to be somewhere and you ask them, did you eat breakfast? No, no, I didn't have time. Make time for breakfast. It really is that important. Yep. Great points there. And really so many great nuggets throughout the entirety of our conversation, Zach. And if any of our listeners tuning in have any questions about anything that you've covered today, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? Yeah. I mean, I'm on social media. Uh, at it, Everything is at Zach Dakin. Um, just my name at Zach Dakin, Twitter and, and Instagram. Um, you know, they can always look me up on the TCU website there, the staff directory for, for an email. Um, and then my website, um, ZachDakin.com, yeah, the contact page on there, shoot me an email anytime. Um, you can, you know, you can find movement over maxes on that page. And then I try to post as much as I can. It's not as, it's not as often as, as I'd like blog post wise, but I try to do as much as I can to, uh, you know, further the learning out there for everybody. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Zach, again, we appreciate you jumping on with us. There's uh, so many nuggets. And again, our listeners, we're, we're so thankful for you to get on with us. I know you guys are traveling. You guys are playing some uh, big scheduled games and uh, we really appreciate you. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on and uh, I enjoyed it. And, and uh, you know, feel free to contact me anytime. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate it, Zach. Man, love to get Zach on. Uh, it's been such a great influence on me. This call takeaway is brought to you by Silverback Sports. Silverback Sports is the alpha when it comes to arm care and training essentials. Silverback's training products are constructed from premium materials and are designed to be durable and dependable to withstand the toughest and most rigorous throwing or training programs. Visit ShopSilverback.com to see their entire line of high-quality products at very affordable prices. Also, follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to stay up to date at ShopSilverback. That's at ShopSilverback. Yeah, man, it was great to get Zach on the call. What was your biggest call takeaway, Joey? Yeah, I think one thing, um, you know, obviously just the name of his book and one thing that we really believe in at 108 is, you know, uh, very much so about the movement, movement over everything, right? And, um, you know, I love that he's so focused on that. I know that he's so open-minded. Um, we have a close relationship with him and we've, um, you know, I, I love the bounce ideas off of him. He bounces ideas off of us and, um, you know, it's awesome, man. I just, I love his, his open-mindedness, but how about you, Bo? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, biggest thing I took away is what makes TCU successful and, and really continued success is never taking time off. Um, I, I, I loved how he said that, that if a guy has a workout on a certain day, they're going to get in there and get it in no matter what, uh, no matter what resources they have to use. And like he mentioned, man, consistency is key. And if we run into those issues or we're not consistent, that's where we're going to run into having injuries and some other barriers that pop up to not make us uh, successful. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. And um, again, guys, you know, we, uh, Zach's definitely going to help out in that manner as well. We've had a whole bunch of people reach out and we have different resources that we put together on our website, obviously. So guys, if you're not a member yet, you definitely need to jump on. There's a whole bunch of things that are going to keep pushing you forward as a coach. And then just a whole bunch of resources that we've compiled for you and did all the legwork for you. All you got to do is go in and, and sign up for our free membership. Again, the free membership, Bo. I didn't know if you knew, but it's the free <laughs> membership. I'm going to say it one more time. Free, right? F-R-E-E. So, yes, free. So make sure you guys go on there. Um, again, all those resources in one place. Um, we also have our hat and our shirt on there. We also have some great great things I think are coming for you guys will like when it comes to some of the merchandise stuff. I think it'll be uh, awesome. You guys always want you guys to look like you're part of the team because you are, right? So continue, continue to uh, stay with us. We have some great guests lined up. Uh, We also have the farm unfiltered episodes, uh, a lot of action packed and uh, digestible uh, info in there. And from us and our partners over at Yakertech until next time, farm system out.